Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. 1 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 1. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. That just sounds so cool. Verse 3, he came to the sheep pens along the way and a cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. You can Google search relieve when you get home. (laughs) David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, the men said, this is the day. This is the day, David. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. This will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. Yeah, come on. If you don't know that song, just thank God, all right? This is the day the Lord spoke of when He said to you, I will give your enemies into your hands to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's road. Afterward though, David was conscience stricken. For having cut off the corner of his robe, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him. For he is the anointed of the Lord. In verse nine, David said to Saul, why, why do you listen, Saul, when men say to you, David is bent on harming you. This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize that I'm not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. Verse 12, may the Lord judge between you and me. That's a key phrase for this morning. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done me. Avenge the wrongs you have done me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evil doers come evil deeds. We're going to go over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter, the third chapter, and in verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you have been called, so that you may inherit a blessing. One more passage, the book of Matthew chapter 5, and in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Turn, uh, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. When I became a Christian, it's important for you to know that before I was a Christian, I was a bogan. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking a bogan's bogan. I mean, I wore only black. Yeah, I got saved and changed and healed. Um, 
But before, thank you, that was overwhelming, yeah. Before I got saved, I was a bogus. And, and I, I had a mullet. Uh, there's an all black with a mullet now. I think it's number six. He had this, yeah, it was a crazy mullet, yeah. I look like that, but my hair is so thick, Sasha will tell you, that it was like a cross between an afro and a mullet. I call it the frullet. And it was just like hair for, it was everywhere. It was hair, it was, ev- the older I get, the more thankful I am that I have hair everywhere. It's just getting better and better. But anyway, uh, I had this big mullet and, and I used to listen to, Heavy metal music, that was all I listened to. I had Iron Maiden, ACDC, Metallica. You know, still to this day, I pretty much know the lyrics of every song in all of those bands. And, you know, and I was just feeding myself my whole teenage years on a diet of anger. Now, it's not like I needed help because I'm a ginger and I'm a rager. Are there any ragers out there, you know, can flick the switch, see red? Yeah, 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 thanks for your honesty. Few liars out there too who are ragers but didn't want to acknowledge that they're ragers. You can't help yourself until you admit, right? And so, you know, when I became a Christian, like I got saved, but it's not like I had a transformation of personality. So when I was saved and I was joined my youth group, there was a kid in my youth group who used to just delight in provoking me until I raged. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Normally this is a younger brother or sister, right? But, but, but I had this, this kid in the youth group and uh, he would just come up to me all the time and it'd just be like, just press my buttons, just press my buttons, just, just you know, have a little go, have a little jive, a little dig, a little dig. And the youth group night would go on or church service would go on. And then at some point during the day, I would just see red and rage and go crazy at him and people would be holding me. And then he would throw up his Christian hands. You know, you ever met that guy? Like, whoa, 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 John, John, you know, hey, hey, hey. We're followers of Jesus around here. That's, that's not how we behave, you know. I'm going to be praying for you, and I'm like, and I'm going to be laying hands on you, you know. And people will be trying to talk to me in the corner of youth group, and they'll be like, John, you know, you can't let him get to you, and I'll be, I'll be raging. I'll be like, he, well, he provoked me. He was mean to me. You know, he was, and I'm just going to take an eye for an eye. You know, he's getting up in my grill, and I'm going to have a like, go at him, you know. And little did I realize that he might have provoked me, and he might have been mean to me, but I didn't have to let him decide me. And I want to talk to you about this today because we live in a culture that is increasingly becoming passionate about making sure that any wrong that has been done to us, we get to right the wrong and to extract punishment from somebody who has done something to us. And in the middle of the series that we're doing at the moment, if we don't get this thing in the right place in our lives, we're going to mess up our lives. Because the truth is, my friends, that even though we live in an increasingly violent and increasingly hostile culture that is always concerned with revenge and retaliation, where so many of our movies are coming out about revenge, right? We've got movie after movie after movie that's all about revenge. We've got, got, you know, The Avenger. We've got The Shooter. We've got John Wick. We've got pretty much every Marvel movie ever created. You know, two-thirds of all action film is just devoted to this theme of, I'm going to right the wrong. You could call a movie an eye for an eye, and people will probably come to see it, thinking that bad people are going to get beat up by the good guys, you know? 
And if we're not careful, we begin to mess up this thing because our passage shows us an amazing principle about God when we've got David and we've got Saul. And David is just this good guy who's never done harm to anybody and he's served Saul faithfully. But such was the favor of God on David's life and that Saul became very, very insecure and started pursuing David with the intention of killing him. When we read our passage today, we've got David and David is literally like hiding in a cave. He's fleeing for his life. He's got no friends. People are lying about him. All kinds of mistruths are out there. There's a bounty over his head. And into a cave comes Saul, the man who is trying to end his life. And as he comes into this cave, you can imagine that, you know, David's got all of his boys there. And as his boys see Saul, oddly enough, relieving himself, they say about this moment, this is the day that the Lord has made. And they say, David, you know what? We've got chapter and verse. If you could reach out right now and kill that Saul, then you're, this is it. God gave you this moment. This is your hour. This is your opportunity. Kill him right here, right now. We'll have a party. You'll be the next king. This is an amazing moment that the God has created. Take an eye for an eye. And David must have been feeling hurt. He must have been feeling anger. You know, there's been lots of damage that has been done to him. And the Bible says that David reaches out and he cuts a corner off the robe. When he cuts the corner off Saul's robe, our scripture tells us that David is immediately conscience stricken. He realizes this was not the right thing for me to do. Even cutting off the corner of his robe was not the right thing for me to do. And then he has this amazing interaction with Saul. But I want you to notice that what David realized is that if I was to kill David, sorry, kill Saul that day, that would not be God giving me justice. That would be me taking vengeance. And if I take vengeance, then I will become the same as him. Because from evil doers come evil deeds. This is our key phrase. From evil doers come evil deeds. Or if you want to put it another way, the deed defines the doer. The deed defines the doer. David literally says, he says, you can do what you want to me. You can have at me all you want. You can get a band of brothers and hunt me down like I'm just a fox in a hole. But I want you to know that I will never touch you. Why? Because I will never be like you. From evildoers come evil deeds and the deed defines the doer. I'm not gonna get involved in your pursuit. I'm not gonna become like you. You can be the kid in my youth group, up in my grill, all that you want, but I'm never gonna flip the switch. I'm never gonna be a rager. The deed defines the doer. Just tell somebody next to you, the deed defines the doer. The deed defines the doer. The deed defines the doer. See, if we're gonna understand God and what is really going on in this passage. And I want you to understand that this is a very, very key thing. It's actually throughout the Bible that God interacts with us in this one. What I want you to understand about God is that God has given us laws. He did. God gave us laws. And the reason why He gave us laws was for us to govern. 
And those laws are based on justice. I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful that the God we serve is a just and a holy God, right? He is the judge of all the earth and he will do right. God is a God of justice. And we learn a lot about God by considering the laws that he gave us. Even when we think about this phrase, an eye for an eye, the reason why it would have seemed so appropriate for David to reach out and to kill Saul is because an eye for an eye is all through the Bible. I mean, it turns up firstly in Exodus chapter 19, where the Bible talks about two men having a fight. And if there's a pregnant woman nearby and one of the guys out of anger reaches out, damages, you know, punches, whatever, that pregnant woman, when the baby is born. uh, uh, Let me just say this, by the way. God is loving, compassionate, kind, merciful. But the moment a culture begins to harm the most vulnerable, you're going to see God flip the switch and say, hey, hey, the game is over. My tolerance just ended. You throw your children in the fire, I will demolish your entire civilization. God cares about the vulnerable. He cares about children. And literally the first time you find this passage of Scripture in the Bible is God saying when that baby is born, if it's missing something, if it's damaged from what happened when the man punched the pregnant woman, then do to the man what has happened to the child. An eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Then it says if somebody is literally like taken on by another, somebody just has at somebody else and they take their eye, they take their tooth, then take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And then the third one, the third time is in Deuteronomy, where the Bible says, if you are in a court case and you give testimony about somebody and what you say is a lie, then whatever will happen to the person on trial based on your lie, if if people realize what's going to happen and realize that you are a false witness, then the Bible is saying, due to the person giving false witness, what would happen to this person if they were found guilty of a crime they didn't do? Take note of that and just remember, God is so anti-slander and false testimony. Don't ever get caught up in gossip. God hates it. He hates gossip more than smoking. I'm telling you the truth. Smoking will hurt you, but, lie, but gossip hurts a lot of people. Don't get caught up in that stuff. And what I want you to know about all three of these instances where God instructs us, take an eye for an eye. They are all laws that were given for people to govern. In other words, the laws can only be used when you are in control. The Bible's not saying that if someone does bad to you, have at it. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It never said that. All three of these are judicial references. They are instructions God gave us to people who are in the position of judge, saying when you are deciding this case, this is to be the way that you do it. An eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. God cares about justice. Is this making sense so far? This is really important for you and I to get right because if I apply a law to an area that is not mine to govern, then I don't get justice, I take revenge. And I become the same as the person who did what they did to me 
as David put it so succinctly, from evil doers come evil deeds. Or more succinctly even, the John Cameron version, the deed defines the doer. Listen, what you do to me does not decide me. What you do to me does not shape me. Hey, if you've been abused, the abuse does not define the abused. If you've been wronged, the wrong does not define the wronged. If you've been ripped off, the rip-off does not define the ripped off. I want you to know that what happens to you does not define you, and it will not decide you. We serve a God of justice, and we serve a God who is in charge. But that God does not encourage us to take up arms and to have our own way. That God encourages us to entrust our lives into His hands. From evil doers come evil deeds. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, God said to us, Do not take revenge, but leave it for God. Because it is written, vengeance is whose? mine it's God's I kind of set you up there vengeance belongs to God and he will repay doesn't say vengeance is John or vengeance is Liam's or vengeance is Took's it says vengeance belongs to God and God will repay okay so the first half are you enjoying this so far God has given us laws to govern with those laws are based on justice but I want you to know something else He's the big G, God. God has also given us a spirit. And that spirit is for living. And that spirit is based on love and and forgiveness. Is anybody out there grateful that even though you know what your deeds deserve, God still loves you? Is anybody out there thankful that though you deserve punishment for your failure and pride and shortcomings, that God's mercy's in you every morning, that His grace covers our injustice. Listen, I don't know what you've done in your life, but I want you to know God doesn't hold your wrongs over you. He forgives you. He accepts you. He restores you. He heals you. He frees you. He says, I'm going to take what you messed up in your past and I'm going to erase it so that you can have a better future than you had yesterday. But listen, this is powerful because God has given us laws to govern with. Those laws are based on justice, but God also gave us a spirit that we are to live by, and that spirit is one of love and forgiveness. The Bible doesn't say God is justice. It says God is love. He does justly. He acts justly. But He is by spirit a loving God. 1 John 4, 8. And if you and I are going to find the life God wants for us, the Bible says whoever lives lives in love, lives in God, and God lives in Him. God doesn't want us going around to extracting revenge for every wrong that has been done to us. He wants us to live a life of love. Now, are you ready for this? Are you ready? We get in trouble when we apply God's laws to what is not ours to govern and fail to apply God's Spirit to the way that we live. We must apply God's Spirit to our life and God's laws to our leadership. Do you understand the difference? If I'm, if I'm in government, 
if I am a judge, I must govern justly. If I am making decisions as an employer, they must be done equitably. If I'm interacting with people, it must be done from a foundation of justice. But when you hurt me, if I'm not in charge, I don't go for justice. If I'm in charge, my life is a life of love. Live in love. The Bible's challenging you and I to not get caught up in the same trap. When I was a kid, a teenager, I'm a consummate morning person. Like I woke up this morning at literally four o'clock in the morning, boom, awake. That is in no way unusual. I wake up awake, I wake up ready to go, and I'm a morning person. Now there are other types of people out there. We call them evening people. I cannot relate to you. But you wake up about nine o'clock at night. Are there any evening people out there? Yeah, yeah. God bless you guys. You're amazing. Don't ever share a room with me or pretty much come into my house after eight o'clock at night, you know? When we started the rise, you know, people used to come over to my home and then about 10 o'clock at night, I used to just go around the lounge room and go, thank you for leaving. Thank you for leaving. Thank you for leaving. And then one or two would get the hint that I'm telling them it's time to leave, you know? I, I, I'm, I'm dying by 10 o'clock at night. I gotta go to bed. Well, my sister, God often does this, right? My sister is a night person. If my sister could, she wouldn't wake up until the afternoon. Is there anybody like that out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. God, God bless you guys, you know? Uh, I can't relate to you. So I would get up before the dawn, just naturally. I just wake up before the dawn, and I discovered that there was never a light on in my sister's bedroom. This was an opportunity. So I would, I would go past my sister's bedroom like six o'clock in the morning and then I would just be like, it's just too good an opportunity to pass up. The, this is the day that the Lord has made. So I would open up the door. She had a big double or queen size bed and I would just run around her bed, you know, like yelling. Ah! And then I would run back out the door again. She hadn't even woken up yet. And I was already back out the door. Or I'd get my brothers and get pots and pans from the kitchen. And they'd be waiting outside her bedroom. And then I'd be like, three, two, one, go. Open up and then we'd be like, bang, 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 bang. And my sister's not very Christ-like. You guys need to pray for her. My gosh, she would wake up. She was angry. Hey, hey, hey. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Well, I want you to know that we pushed her to get a reaction. And I want you to know that the devil is going to push at you. And the greater your calling, the harder he's going to push. If God's got something great for you in your life. Hey, listen, Joseph, Joseph was called to free a generation, yet he had to spend some time in a pit. He had to get sold into slavery. He had to languish in a prison. The devil is like, I'm gonna mold you. I'm gonna make you hurtful. Yet somehow Joseph was able to push back on all of that desire to be vengeful and angry. And when his brothers stood in front of him, he said, you might've tried to mess me up, but God set me up. What others intended for harm, God is gonna use for good for what is now being accomplished, the saving of many lives. God's gonna turn your mess into a message. Listen, what somebody ripped off from you, the Bible says that God can restore back to you what the locust has stolen. 
Not you restore back to you what the locust has stolen. You let God take care of that. Let God be in charge. But you get in charge of you. You can hate me, but I'm going to love you. You can malign me, but I'm going to bless you. You can push me down, but I'm going to lift people up. I'm not going to be like you. You don't get to shape me. From evildoers come evil deeds. See, what I want you to notice about David is that he said two things. The first thing that David said in verse 12 of our reading, he said, the Lord will judge. The Lord will judge. The Lord will judge. How about we get bold enough to leave justice to God? The Lord will judge between you and me, but my hand will never touch you. I will never become like you. I will never lower myself to your level. I will never respond to your goading. You can decide you, but I want you to know, Saul, I've already decided me. I am not going to become like you. I'm going to live a different life. See, when people read Matthew chapter 5 and they read how Jesus said, you've heard it said, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but now I tell you, you know, Pray for those who, what did he say? He said, um, Matthew 5, he said, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to the left. He's not saying God's changed his mind. He's never intended for a moment that we would think God's given up on justice. God still cares about people living right. He doesn't want people ripping each other off. He's not into fraud. He's not into malice. He's not into harming people. He's not into people walking the streets with guns going, there's your life. You know, no, shoot me again. That's not what Jesus was saying for a second. Jesus is saying, you're messing yourselves up because you're trying to govern what is not under your control and you're becoming like the other person. If you want your life to be blessed, if you want your life to fulfill God's purpose, then if someone strikes you on the left cheek, say, have a go at the other, because you can throw at me what you want, but there's a God who is greater, and I'm not here, I'm not here to govern my life, I'm here to trust my God. Trust my God. He's like, hey, If a Roman soldier forces you to go one mile, they could do that to a Jew. If they force you to go one mile with them and carry their backpack down the road, when you get to the end of one mile, one mile was your duty. The second mile is your seed. You're declaring over your own life that I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be determined by you. I'm sowing over and above. Man, I'm gonna rise above every challenge that you throw at me. Well, I'm preaching myself excited at least. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible just reiterates this. It says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Why? Because to this you have been called, that you may inherit a blessing. Come on, the band can come and join me up on stage. Because to this you have been called, so that you may inherit a blessing. So if you curse me, I bless you. You, you persecute me, I say something good about you. You, you, you treat me bad, I treat you good. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's not what you do to me that's going to decide me. It's who I am that's going to decide my future. So if you bless me, I... I, I uh, sorry, if you curse me, I, I bless you. Why? Because to this you have been called. Because every time I bless, I'm sowing a seed. And God sees it. Every time I choose to forgive, God sees it. 
and He's going to bless. Every time we choose not to retaliate, my friends, we are preventing ourselves from falling into the trap of allowing someone else to decide the person that we are. Is this making sense today? See, friends, I believe that as we're considering the letters to a new millennium, we need to remember the truth of God's Word. That God gave you, God gave us. Laws to govern with that are based on justice. And He gave us a spirit to live with that is based on love and forgiveness. Oh, man. The deed defines the doer. That's what shapes us. We just got to find the faith internally to say God is actually bigger. He's bigger. You know, they even, they even threw insults at Jesus. And the Bible said he didn't open his mouth. David wasn't a wuss. He wasn't afraid to kill Saul. He just knew that it would be allowing who he was to be tainted. Sometimes the greatest courage you've got is the courage just to say, look, you hurt me, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not interested. You got a day, but you're not getting the, my life. You took a moment, but you're not getting the whole journey. I'm bigger than that. God's on my side. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.